Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. It is chilly outside and bundle up for sure. I kind of got caught off guard. I didn't know it was going to get that cold that quick. But man, it really dropped. I do actually like it crisp when there's no wind in the air. There's something about having no wind in the air that changes it. But you can have, (laughs) I think I'd almost like zero and no wind than 28 and 30 mile an hour wind. Oh, absolutely. I would agree with that. You did not feel, you didn't feel wind today? No, you did. I mean, just cold air. Well, that's you sprinting through down the streets of Chicagoland. (laughs) That always creates wind. It was extremely cold. I mean, I don't like this temperature. <laughs> this is not this temperature's awesome. No, if seven. You're a husky. R- if you're a husky, right? Yeah, I'm not. I've seen these huskies downtown here. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, I've seen these huskies downtown here, and my, I just hurt for them in the summer because I'm I like, oh, these Siberians yeah. out here walking around trying to find to a place to go potty right. so they can get back in the AC. Exactly, and because I mean. They're in AC, and that's too hot. It's not a downtown dog. I mean, yeah, it's just, but now, today, they're going out going, <laughs> yeah. This is my weather. And the owner's like, hustle up. And they're like, ain't no way I'm hustling this up. This is my kind of weather. You make me take my time in the summer, I'm go. taking my time in the winter. My that's turn. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go potty slowly. <laughs> that so was they really are a cold weather dog. Oh, yeah. Even if they've never been in a cold weather Oh, yeah. Climate. They've got the, the way they're. God born those things for sled dog areas. <laughs> Absolutely. But I mean, you know, Chicago in the winter is cold. Yeah. I mean, it is. And oh, yeah. and dogs, all types of dogs are built certain ways. Like my dog is absolutely not a sled dog, but he is a colder weather dog. Uh, if, if the heater is on too high in the house, he he starts to get, you know, panty, panty and way over exhausted just from laying there. Yeah. So pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like huskies. I like huskies. Yeah, they're good dogs. They yeah. talk a lot. They they talk, talk a, lot? a lot. Yeah. Oh, huskies talk a lot. Are you kidding me? Really? It's oh, hilarious. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, you that's know, why Earl really Norris a... called it the Howling Dog Farm was the name oh, of his kennel. Wow. He had three hundred and fifty huskies. Okay. Earl Norris. Wow. One of the greatest mushers in Alaska. I went up to see Earl. Earl uh Earl had one good eye, one that was out. And uh, but he had three hundred and fifty <laughs> sled dogs. What a way to exploit it. Oh, no. Earl's a great guy. I mean, Earl lived a long time. When I Last time I went and saw Earl, I think I'm getting in that voice again. You are. Just you a did. little bit. Trying to stay out of it a little no, bit. But you're aware but of Earl, it. But Earl's a great dude. Um, he, what a hoot. I really think he came to faith in Christ late in life. Oh, and I wasn't saved at that point, but I went up and, oh, I take that back. The last time I saw him was when I was a lead pastor of Sorry for reminiscing here on the radio live, <laughs> guys, okay. but Earl, uh, you just got to understand something. Last time I saw Earl, that's right, because he owned a mini uh, kind of a, a mall that had like kind of midsize anchors in it in Anchorage because okay. he had a howling dog farm in downtown Anchorage. <laughs> howling dog farm. That was the name of his Earl Norris howling dog farm. Okay. And he had he had this prime property that he had homesteaded like years and years ago, and he's like 25, 30. Hmm. So guess what? Anchorage begins to sprawl, and then somebody wants to build a mall 
Oh, and he's got land. And he's got land. So yeah. he had a joint shared mm. deal with these guys because his howling dog farm was on prime property. Interesting. So he got those huskies hauled up, did a did a deal on that University Center. I'll never forget that. University Center. And he wow. he boogied for Willow, Alaska. And then we as a church were looking for a place to grab, and uh, he had enough negotiating power in that mall that I, I went out. There were two other pastors. Now it's all come together and went out and saw Earl. And oh, nice. he's, he's looking That's at me great. faintly through one eye. Carl, how you doing? Because when I was, he, the first time I met Earl was when I was a junior musher, like 13 years oh, old. Okay. So now I am, you know, what is it? 30 some years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 40 years later. A pastor. And somebody says, Hey, if you want, if you want to look at that property for the church, you got to go up and see Earl. I'm like, awesome. we're going. Earl. I know Earl. Of course. So we went up to Earl. the Howland dog farm and guys, I kid you not. When you. Walk on. You can have a husky lot of 350 dogs totally quiet. Totally quiet. But if you raise a dog harness in the air, oh, just sure. lift a harness in the air, yeah. you will have 350 huskies screaming in howls so loud oh, no. you, cannot hear your, you cannot hear someone stand next to you. It's like a quarterback in uh, Arrowhead Stadium. Oh, interesting. Yeah. They're just excited. <laughs> Like that, 350 of them. That's just funny. absolutely oh. going nuts, oh. lunging at the end of their stakeouts. Like, who's going to oh. get Pick me? me. Pick me. Call, the call up. And the numbers are bad at Earl's, at the Howling Dog Farm for Earl. Because the numbers are bad. You take out 10 to 20 at a time, there's 350 of those dudes there. Oh, yeah. They're still waiting. And so they're like, yeah. oh! And some of them, <laughs> some of them, it's like a painful howl, like, I want to go! Ali, have you ever heard a husky howl like that? Oh, she has. Come on. Uh, No, you know, I've never owned a dog at any point in time in my life. So I have not spent a lot of time around dogs. Let me go to bat for you. You've heard a husky howl. Why do you need to go to bat for me? Because you have heard a husky howl. I'll pull. I'll pull up a little piece. Yeah, give, give her a husky howl. I can't say that I have. I feel bad. You yeah, never yeah. had a dog. I just even you know, if it's in a cartoon, you've you've heard a husky. Howl. You know, I've heard cartoon dogs do stuff. <laughs> well, there's a beagle howl, but there's a husky howl. But oh I mean, yeah, husky doesn't count. Yeah. Oh, I'm not. It's not much of a. I I just never. I like dogs. I just never really owned one. Dogs are the greatest things in the world. I love those critters. They are. They are. Nothing They're like so good. Okay, Dog. guys, we spent a lot of time on Earl Norris's Howling Dog Farm. And dogs. But it's cold outside. Did you have anything else you wanted to share? No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm good. I didn't know where we were at here. Oh, oh, top of the hour. So yeah. we're rolling along here, guys. Yeah, All right, Boom yeah. Crew, we love you guys. By the way, did you know today is the last day to get signed up? And if you weren't here yesterday, Dr. Jim Coakley is doing something amazing. Yep. This is, you got to get signed up today. Today. Got to get signed up today. You can't wait. New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. We've got a February reading plan for you. The month of February, believe it or not, kicks off. Tomorrow is February 1. If you want to read through the book of Judges and the book of Ruth, Dr. Jim Coakley in 180 Chicago has a plan for you. You're going to get daily insights, some context, some prayer points. Jump in before tomorrow. Text the word PLAN to 312-274-9624. PLAN to 312-274-9624. Yeah. Uh, Warning signs are everywhere in Scripture, and today we've got one that is 
replete. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, we are reminded of this over and over again. And sometimes we ignore it. As a matter of fact, I think it's one of the great lost disciplines in the church today. Because generally when you go to church, in fact, I was preaching on this topic on Sunday, and I told the church, I said, hey, you feeling good? You know, you come to church and you're wanting to hear a great message and you hear this one and they just start roaring in <laughs> laughter. And they're good sports. In fact, I had some folks come up to me afterwards and go, you know, as tough as that is to hear, that's probably one of the most important messages we've got to get. What is it? Listen, guys, here's the bottom line. If we ignore the warning signs that unconfessed sin is going to be our undoing, man, that's that's one that you can't just blow through that warning sign. You've got to pay attention to it. If we look at Proverbs 28, verse 13, listen to this. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. We find over and over in Scripture that unconfessed sin actually Bring sickness to the bones. And if you think about this, Sajit Christopher, we were tag team teaching on Sunday. We're doing something really novel and out of the box. It's really fun. But he was breaking down the reality, as we find throughout the scriptures, that to deal with, to to not heed the warning sign of confessing sin to God actually has spiritual, relational, and physical attachments to it. Have you ever noticed that? When you're sitting on sin, how it can affect you physiologically? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's real, isn't it? Makes it makes you sick inside. Um, I, I'll pull up the psalm soon, but one of my favorite psalms, because, because I think it encapsulates this so well, uh, is when King David says that That's he had one. sin that he hadn't confessed and he can feel it in his bones. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, pull up that reference here, yeah, buddy. I'll I don't want to be just throwing I think this it's stuff Psalm 38. Let me see if I can. Yeah, it's powerful stuff. And, and, uh, that can, that unconfessed sin, here's, here's the beauty and the bummer of being born again. When you are born again, you are on the hook for stuff like you never were before. Yeah. And one of the great difficulties and challenges of being born again is that the stuff that you used to skate by without getting having <laughs> ah, another thought about it, now it's like, oh, good grief. The Holy Spirit won't let me up for air on anything here. Got to deal with this. Yeah, got to deal with it. It was Psalm 32, Psalm 32, three through four. It says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. That's powerful. Yeah. Read that one more time. Yeah. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, coming up here, I want to tackle, I want to give some hope here first, because you might be sitting here going, oh, good grief. I want to give some hope because there is there are two central passages of Scripture that speak to the upside of confession. And then we want to tackle why do we get stuck in this sin, shame, repent, repeat, like bad shampoo cycle? Why do we do that? Why do we get in that bad shampoo cycle <laughs> where it's like, you got to be kidding me. Here we go again. We'll break loose from that, too. Uh, there is confession, but there is something else that's going on, and it's repeated everywhere in Scripture. We're going to break it down. We got a lot of content today, guys. You ready to hang on for this one? Ready. For sure. Let's go. Coming up. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. I do have a, uh, I do, I do have a warning sign on my dash this morning. 
I got a PSI problem. That's tire, right? Yeah. Air pressure? PSI. Oh, that's, I, yeah, it's so cold. cold. And it yeah. goes uh, FR, front right, RL, rear left. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Roro. I got to get here. But so here's what I do when I'm driving down the road. I make sure that that front left and that back right are just kind of hanging in there. (laughs) I was going to say, that's more balanced than you could get on any other tire company. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. I'm trying to sit on that diagonal line in that car to make sure that. What? Allie's looking at me like I've lost my mind. No, this I mean morning. that that used to freak me out getting those low tire. Well, but now with now that I know that the cold weather is affects it a little bit. Well, I have a confession to make. What? Mine was going off before it was cold. Oh, okay, well, then. But, but now it's really going and then off. You so gave a hard time. No, really, time about really? my emission system I, I, problem. Okay, the rest light? the rest of the story yeah. is the rest of the story is I got out and I visibly looked at these and I know what an inflated tire looks like okay. and I'm like so. I think something's off with the PSI meter because that can happen, by the way. This is true. You can have a PSI meter that's all jacked up, but I should double check it just to make sure. Yep, those warning signs, you got to heed them. Yeah, Allie, you do. <laughs> have you filled up your gas tank lately? Yes. Phew. You know, the good thing about what she picked it for her five-year gift. What's that? She could put a bladder in that cooler and just have extra gasoline in her cooler packed along oh, with her in case she runs out yeah. of gas. Absolutely. I have never run out of gas. It's been close, but I've never run out. You never have? No. In your life? Run out of gas? No. Have you? Oh, of course. I lived in Alaska, dude. That's we funny. ran out regularly. Why? What's the correlation? I don't know. There were yeah, gas that's stations an interesting every 50 thing. miles. Well, like, the gas I- stations weren't as frequent. And uh, frankly, back in the day, you know, I'm not a young man, guys. Oh, here we go. I want to tell you something. Ah, there it goes. Ah, there it goes. I'm not a young guy. So back, back, back in the day. Back in the day, honestly, gas meters didn't work that well. I remember driving a couple of cars that we, the gas meters didn't work. They weren't accurate. Yeah. Oh, ah. so just kind of stop on you. It's kind of like lick your finger, stick it out in the wind and go, wonder if we need gas today. <laughs> what? Well, Let's okay. see if you need it. It's a good question. Oh. All right. We're way behind the eight ball here. We yeah. want to get into this, though, guys. I can't wait to uh, dig into this one. Warning sign today that we're tackling is, I'm just going to give it to you straight up. You, you can not play games with sin in your life. This thing's going to waste your bones away. Young Thunder's going to be reading from Psalm 32. Yes. And it will steal your ability to prosper. You try to hide sin, missing the mark. And I know this is like I told our folks on Sunday, I'm in the middle of this message on why the need to confess sin. I'm like, just on to me. Aren't you guys glad you came today? And everybody just <laughs> starts laughing. And it's like, wow, what encouraging. <laughs> but warning signs aren't encouraging, are they? No, they're not. I mean, because they bring our attention to something that could potentially happen. Yeah. If we're not if we don't if we don't course correct. That's exactly right. Okay, we're gonna break it down for you. We've got some great promises for what happens when you do confess sin, because there's some huge upsides. Oh yeah. And then the question is, why do we sometimes sin and then we have shame? And then we repent and then we repeat. And we've all felt that before. Absolutely. And how do we get that bad shampoo sin cycle out of our life? We'll talk about it today, guys. All right, Carl and Crew Mornings here, guys. We thought we'd uh, really bust into this today. If you're walking down, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're walking down the road, good grief. <clears throat> One I, more time. Maybe I should use the cough button here. 
We'll, we'll wait. It's okay. You too. Sorry about that. Um, if we're walking down the road of this discipleship path that we're on, there are going to be warning signs. Just, it's just, isn't it great that Jesus uses these metaphors that work for everyday life? Yes. The way we're wired? Yes. He didn't use technical terms. He uses things that we go through in everyday life. He says, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Oh, wow. Everything's making sense now. But then we find these warning signs all throughout Scripture. And one of them is, don't sit on your sin. It's going to eat your lunch. We just read out of Psalm 32. Let's hit that one again there, Cat Daddy. Yeah, this is Psalm 32, verses 3 through 4. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Okay, anyone that's been following Jesus for any length of time at all would have to admit, yep, I've had God's heavy hand on me, and I felt like my bones were wasting away a little bit. Absolutely. And when we talk about concealed sin or hidden sin, I think at least my mind goes to like the the kind of the feels like the big stuff that you would try to like hide or you yeah. know, like big secrets. Is this that or is it just anything that you're unwilling to confront is it kind of the the dark stuff that gets hidden in the corner i would say ali there is hierarchical degree of consequence for different sins so a lot of people say well all sin is the same actually not yeah i, I mean, mean sin is sin uh, but uh, workplace pilfering is not um although it is missing the mark with god i mean if you're stealing pens taking them home and using them mm-hmm. That's that's not good, right? You shouldn't be doing workplace yeah. pilfering. Right. Uh, but cheating on your wife has much greater consequences. Yes. So uh, a lot of guys that have grievous things going on, you know, that's the first thing they'll go to is all sin is sin. Right. Well, not all sin is sin. There's different degrees of consequence for sin. Mm-hmm. However, hiding any sin has the same effect on our bones. Okay. Because no matter what it is, and who was it yesterday, uh, this morning, early in the five o'clock hour, we were talking about this and, and you just couldn't get up for air. Who was that? Was I think that it you? was me. Yeah. Well, yeah. explain that one. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I've got a story as to, you know, the things that God sent me through as to the, the sin that I had unconfessed and yeah. then biblical ways that he brought me out of that and the relief that I felt from it. Awesome. We're going to get that straight ahead. Young Thunder. We're talking about the warning sign of unconfessed sin. And guys, when we get this one tackled, look out. In this half hour, we're going to give you the promises of the upside of what happens when you break these cycles. And that's super helpful and super hopeful. Got to go into work? Don't worry. Check out the Carl and Crew Showcast wherever you like to stream. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. So excited I'm jumping in on top of this (laughs) bumper here. That's okay. So you've got a... Sin that's flashing on the dashboard of your soul. What do you do with it? I, I know. Listen, we've all been there. Some of us, we try to rationalize, minimize, justifies. We just do all the fives and the put it off in the corner, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and But here's the problem with that, man. It'll eat our lunch. Psalm 32, man, it wastes away at our bones. Some of us feel like physically in a funk. By the way, James 5 is clear. Sometimes people are sick physically. Because of sin. Absolutely. So we got to confess that up. But here's what I find. Haven't been a person following Jesus Christ for what now? Four decades? How long have you been following Jesus? 
February 11, 84. Help me with 84, the math. 84, that's almost, uh, almost 40 years. Almost 40 years. Okay, here's what I've learned in being in the people business. It is just real. You can you can see then a sin in your life, and you're like, all right, I'm going to deal with this. And you, and let's say you sin, and then you, you shame is right hot on its heels, mm-hmm. and then you repent, and you're like, man, I am free, baby, I'm free, and then it repeats itself. And then you're in a dilemma. Do I leave it back in the shadows again? Do I drag this sucker out? Every time I drag that sucker into the light, I confess it, and now I'm getting my booty kicked again. You know why it's quiet out there on the streets right now? Because we all know what that feels sure, like, right, absolutely. Allie? Yeah, it's that that promise to myself, to God, this will never happen again. This yeah. is whatever this is. This is the last time. Yeah, I got like lots of freedom songs rolling through my head right now. I'm free. <laughs> I, You know, here's the deal. If we look at Scripture, we find that the Scripture is loaded. I mean, Loaded. Proverbs twenty eight thirteen says this: Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses, ready for this, and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Now, this word "forsake" is good. In the it's in the ESV that way. In the NIV and the New American Standard, it says "renounce," but I like "forsake." We don't talk. You don't. We don't use that word a lot. Used word. No. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna forsake lunch today. You know, you don't kind of say that. Vintage old word. Right. Yeah. But it's a great word. It means to renounce or turn away from entirely. Mm-hmm. So confession plus is God's plan. And you might say, well, that's just one verse. No, <laughs> Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, what do you do with it, Young Thunder? You gouge it out. Gouge it out. By the way, it's he's using literary form of hyperbole here. Be careful. Don't gouge out your eyes today. Yeah, please don't. And what do we find the Apostle Paul, Romans 7, Romans 4, we find it over and over again. Put to death. death what is earthly in you. Yes. We find it in Colossians 4. We find it in Ephesians 3, I believe. Yeah. That... Put to death whatever is earthly in you. Death to the flesh, Paul says over and over again. So here's here's the hope, guys. If you've got a dashboard on your soul blinking, I've got sin in my life. Don't ignore it, right, Allie? Right. Don't that, ignore it. That engine's going to seize up. <laughs> but if you de- if you deal with that thing and take it before God, and then here's what I'd say. This is what I gave to our folks on Sunday. Identify a repeating sin in your life. Do it. Identify it. And I love what you said both uh, yesterday. You you said this a lot yesterday, and I love it, Allie. Sit in that emotion for a little bit. Yeah. I have been ignoring this warning light. Mm -hmm. Own it. Own it. Secondly, share it with a trusted friend. And then I'm going to give you one that's just... So street practical, because if you're going to kill sin, you got to get you got to start ideating, brainstorm and pray about ways to forsake it. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't do that enough. Sit yeah. down and brainstorm, get out a pen and hot pen ideas. How am I going to keep this from repeating itself in my life? Right, because we want to experience forgiveness. Yeah, just awesome. But we also then want to experience freedom. Boom. That's exactly the point. So we're going to be talking about that today. Coming up, though, straight ahead, we have got a special treat. It is National Sex Trafficking Awareness Prevention Month. 
you need to hear about a pretty cool ministry and something special happening right here on the campus of Moody Bible Institute. Helping you start your day off right, this is Carl and Crew Mornings. It's one of those things that it's not seen as much as it's going on because people fight to hide it and shame keeps it down. But ministering to victims of sexual exploitation, what a powerful ministry it is. Yeah, let me give you some statistics. Says 70% of female trafficking victims are involved in the sex industry. 84% of women are under third-party control, meaning they are selling their bodies without their own consent, without complete agency. Dr. Pam McRae is joining us right now to talk about this. Professor and program head for Ministry to Women and Ministry to Victims of Sexual Exploitation, which is a special degree program right here at MBI that many people may not even be aware of exists. Yeah, and we've been in operation for about eight or nine years now. And so we started this program because we heard from our students often that they wanted to help people who had been sexually exploited. And so we started a program. We have many graduates who are serving in this field all over the world. So we're really grateful that Moody has prioritized this field in this way. Allie just gave us some statistics here, Pam, that are shocking in that I don't think we are aware because it is so hidden. And I think you call them what you want, third party. They called them pimps back when I was in mm-hmm. running around. It was even then as a lost guy, I remember thinking, what a horrific world that we live in, right? Mm-hmm, right. But it's become much more uh, mainstream than we might even imagine. Yeah, I think we've clarified it to say that, you know what, I know of mothers who are not having the finances they need and they might um, sell their daughters so that they can pay the rent. This is happening. Yeah, and or boyfriends or gangs or husbands who will put their wives and girls into selling sex so that they can benefit financially. Now, we think of that as an extreme, and I would say that what predominantly we see is sexual exploitation as a big business that if a, you know, you can describe them in different terms, but if somebody is keeping a woman, a man or woman, a girl or a boy under their control so that they put them out there to sell their um, bodies sexually and they can benefit on it. That happens all the time. And, and, I, and I guess the biggest part of that would be, it's just dawning on me. I'm just breaking this down in my mind. You look at a scenario and it may not be a $100 bill, but it could be help me with rent. Here's my mm-hmm. daughter. Mm-hmm. Help me with groceries. Here's my girl. Right. I mean, it, and that gets so sick. Right. It's It's tragic and it's something that we can hardly allow our minds to conceptualize yeah. because – We don't even want to think that that can happen. But, you know, I've had people come up and tell me, oh, I hear that Chicago's bad. And I would say, I would venture to say that every little town, every little village, every place we go, this is happening, but sometimes we don't define it in certain ways. But there's a lot of ways that men and women, boys and girls are exploited. So this is not just an urban Problem. This is not just a big city problem. This is happening in wealthy suburbs in the Chicagoland area as well, right? You make a good point. It's not always economically driven, you know, that it's not always because there's um, some kind of great financial need. There's deviance in all different ways. So the issue is there. 
the way it's set up is so varied, but we need to be really aware that this is a horrific problem all around the world. It's not a new problem. It's an old problem all around the world. You have gone to great lengths here to address this. And I know some people, some students that have gone through this, and they are so encouraged because they feel like they're equipped to help the world. What do you do when you get a degree, your program head for ministry to women and ministry to victims of sexual exploitation? What do you do when you get a degree in that? Well, my goodness, there's so much you can do. So our students have to do a six-month internship in a residential program where they work for about 25 to 30 hours a week and interface with ones who have left the life and are trying to recover. And so there's counseling and there's life skills, and Mm. we're trying to put them on a path to recover. And so our students engage with them, but at the same time, they're learning how to advocate about sexual exploitation. They're learning to teach to prevent it from happening, going into schools and teaching curriculum so that there can be some warning signs that kids know about. So our students are equipped to do this and minister in these ways in organizations, residential programs all over. What do you see in Scripture that guides you as you're leading a program like this? I mean, we think about how Jesus interacted with women. We think about how his heart for women. When you, when you hear the dark world that you're preparing these students to send them out into, what in Scripture keeps you grounded and encouraged? Well, I can tell you two things right off the bat. Yes, the way that Jesus saw women who were hurting, and he very often would initiate healing or go after them. I think of the widow of Nain, that she had no idea what was going on, and Jesus initiated healing with her, and she couldn't even speak. Mm -hmm. Even when you can't ask, the Lord will come after you. But I can tell you that one of the passages that really speaks to me is from Zechariah chapter 7, and it says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus has the Lord of the hosts said, Dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother, and do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor, or do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears up from hearing. And the Lord wasn't happy with that. Mm. And so the Lord wants us to see where we can be involved in bringing justice to those who are vulnerable and hurting. And if we turn our ears away, he will not be pleased. So you might be listening right now going, oh my goodness, this is my calling. This is my wheelhouse. This is where I want to be. We have got a link for you. You might want to pass this on to one of your children that are on the bubble of deciding where to go. This is a phenomenal program to get involved in. Just text the word DEGREE to 312-274-9624. Spell it out, DEGREE to 312-274-9624. Dr. Pam McRae, thank you for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to be with you all. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Okay, guys, uh, here we go. Let's break it down. Um, We are going to crash course this thing right now. So as we're walking through this life as a disciple of Jesus Christ, and by the way, I'm making an assumption that you listening are a disciple if you aren't. Uh, Allie was right. You can relate this to almost any area of your life. You don't have to be born again to know that you're in a ditch in some area of your life in a repetitive cycle. Now, we know that to be sin, missing the mark. And by the way, uh, the only reason that you've even heard it called sin is because we're raised in a Judeo-Christian ethic here in America. Otherwise, without a Bible, 
and a book that we have the Holy Scriptures, we wouldn't have that moniker. We wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Who knows what we'd call it, but we only know it to be sin, and that word's thrown around because it's in the Scriptures, and it means to miss the mark. Now, when we sin, we find that our bones can waste away. Psalm 32. Yeah. And boy, in Young Thunder, you testify it's true. It's very true. And what's it feel like when your bones are wasting away in practical modern terms? It feels like, uh, you. for me, it felt like your my stomach was consistently being twisted. Uh, it felt like okay. an elephant was sitting on my chest, hard to breathe. It was it was anxiety driven. OK, so, yeah. And, and I'd say for me, I've been in those death loops before. Where it's like, man, God, I can't seem to break this thing. And I think it consumes your thinking. It does. It you can't it, stop it, it it takes away. It steals your joy. Absolutely. I mean, it sucks the life right out of you. Yeah. And the good thing about this is, I want to give some props along the way. Hallelujah! You've got you've got the Holy Spirit's working in you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right on. It yeah. is an act of mercy. At least you aren't absolutely dead man walking here. <laughs> also true. Very true. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So here's the upside of confession: healing and cleansing. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The Greek word for healed means healed. healed. Ah. And and healing can come in a lot of different forms. In James 5, it's physical. There were some that were struggling physically, which, by the way, comports with Psalm 32, mm-hmm. that your bones waste away. Does, does perpetual sin that is not dealt with have an effect on our physical bodies? Yes, it can. It's right here in James 5, spoken of in Psalm 32. Can't miss it. Old and New Testament. Okay. Cleansing. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who didn't want to be cleaned up? Absolutely. When I was a little kid, I went caving out in our front yard because we had these big berms. I always used to build tree forts, but one summer day, I saw this big berm of dirt and I thought, yeah. It's a berm of dirt. A berm of dirt. Like a big you, pile? A big pile of dirt where the, a plow had come down to build the road and, and buy it. Mm. And then the ditches where the water runs. And this is rural, okay? But then you've got a big berm or a, 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 a row of big dirt piled up because that's what they okay. scraped off the top of the roadway to put down some bedrock. Yeah. Uh, or to get to some gravel. So the berm's there, and it's pretty fresh berm. I'm a little guy, but we had been in that home just a few years, maybe eight years. And I go out there, and I've got a little, I got a little army folding uh, shovel, and I'm just a little guy. And I'm digging, oh. digging, digging. Guys, I'm building this berm. Probably so unsafe. It's crazy. Because I'm digging <laughs> That's this. That's what I was yes. thinking. I'm digging this tunnel, and my whole body's cave crawling in. into this oh. cave. And That's <laughs> Alaska. It's what oh. we did. Don't do this, kids. Right now, you don't ever do that. Uh, So I'm digging away, and I come out. Guys, I look like a coal miner. Oh, I can imagine. I'm an absolute mess. And my dad says, Carl, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, Dad, I'm digging a cave. Oh, okay. (laughs) And he's like, get over here. And it's a hot summer day in Anchorage, Alaska. It must have been 65 degrees out. 65. (laughs) It's a hot summer day in Anchorage, Alaska. (laughs) Uh, so he says, get over here. And he, I'll never forget it, man. The green hose on the side of the garage. Ah, uh, yeah. And he says, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Turn around. 
keep turning. And he did. He's just hosing power me with the guards. <laughs> just power washing. Clothes on and everything. Oh, wow. He says, we can't have you go in. Your mom will get. You can't go into mom like yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, boy. He's right. That's what God wants to do with your sin. He wants to hose you off. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here, coming up in a moment, we're going to get into how we break this death cycle of going back at it again and again and again. New to the show? We're glad you're here. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, tackling a hot topic here today, guys. Make sure that you sign up for this reading plan. Today's the last day. It starts tomorrow. Uh, 180 Chicago and Dr. Jim Coakley are going to be sending out these daily emails to help you walk through the book of Judges and the book of Ruth in the month of February. So if you want to be a part of this reading plan, text the word plan to 312-274-9624. Just text the word plan. Yeah, last day to sign up today. We aren't going to mention this tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. So if you want to get a friend on it, text the word plan and forward them the link, okay? And uh, get buddied up. Always good to go through it as buddies. You get to talk about stuff together. Okay, um, Hezekiah is king over Judah. He does a good job, does a lot of great things. I walked through Hezekiah's tunnel in Jerusalem when I was there here a few weeks ago. I mean, this guy... He was an entrepreneur, he was a go-getter, and he had some righteous streaks in him for sure, but he kind of collapsed at the end of his life. Manasseh's son comes to power. He's a full-on despot. This guy's just a hurting unit. Yeah. Just horrible. To the point where he's offering his children on the arms of molten arms of Molech as a sacrifice to appease gods that weren't the one true and living God. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a mess. Yeah. Uh, Ammon, his son, comes to power. He's a mess, too. So Manasseh was in power. Let me see if I got this right. I think 42 years. And then Ammon comes into power, and he's in power just a couple of years. And he gets assassinated. So guess what? It's just a disaster for the nation of Israel. And then this guy comes along. My favorite king. Your favorite king. Yes! Josiah comes along, and Josiah comes along, and guys... Josiah's reforms were amazing. Now, I'm going to tell you the order of things with Josiah. He began to follow the God of his father, David. Uh, now, was was uh, David the father of Josiah? Was David the father question? of Josiah? I mean, no, no, it's a straightforward question. Was David the father of Josiah? It, not directly, but through ancestry. Through I'd say spiritual ancestry. So he's, he decided, I'm going to go back. All he had was oral tradition. He yeah. didn't even have a Bible. Yeah. It was gone. There was no Bible in Judah. And you might say, oh, come on. They always said, nope, they didn't have a Bible probably 250, 300 years. Yeah. They were going totally off oral tradition. Wow. So Shaphan, the secretary, would have been coaching him up. Shaphan's old old guy, Hilkiah, the priest, he wasn't young. And so they're they're coaching them up in this stuff, and they're saying, well, this is what's happening, all this, and your dad and your granddad, these are guys are pieces of work, and it looks like we're in trouble. And he just goes throughout the land, and here's the, here's the short of it. Let me give you the short of it. He goes throughout the land, and he begins to purge the land of everything that he knew. He didn't know everything to do that he needed to do proactively rightly, but he knew what was wrong. Yeah. And he went through the land, and guess what? He tore down Asherah poles. He tore down idols. He killed the priests of these false gods. He took necromancers and all witchcraft, and he 
crushed it. And he took the priest's bones and he boned, he burned them and put them into powder. And this, now this was heavy duty. Yeah. You know, then we aren't going to do this this afternoon here no, in Chicago land because not. we're in a different dispensation. Mm-hmm. But he got serious after this stuff. What's that got to do with your sin repeat cycle? You know what God did for Josiah? The prophetess Holda, when she was sought out, told him, God sees your heart. Was Josiah perfect? Heck no. No. Heck no. But did he have a righteous heart that aimed to do everything it could, including annihilating and killing sin so it wouldn't kill the country? Yeah, and God smiled on that. He fully appreciated the the risk and the warning sign of what sin undealt with could do to the whole nation. Boom. I think sometimes we, because we know that we can be forgiven, I think sometimes we take sin too lightly. Yep. And fail to appreciate the devastation that it can cause us if if not dealt with, if not confessed and forsaken. Boom, boom, boom. Helping you start your day off right. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. All right. Uh, don't want to. How much time do you need to tackle this one? Just real quick. Okay, nail it. Yeah, so Allie just said something that when we focus on on grace and the forgiveness that God has for us, sometimes it stops us from uh, truly forsaking the sin in our lives. And that was me. You know, the story I shared where God had kind of put me under this heavy time of anxiety. Yeah. The way I was trying to get myself out of that before confessing and forsaking is focusing on the grace of God, saying, God, you forgive me. God, you love me. You cleanse me of my sin and all these things. And And that (laughs) mindset stopped me from being willing to confess because I said, this is good enough. I don't need to do the other things because God forgives me. So I'm fine. I can just leave all that other stuff that he's calling me to be. My dad. Can I quote my dad? Yeah. He said this all the time to me when I was young in Jesus Christ and authentically cooking with him. He said, grace isn't the permission to live as you like. Mm hmm. He said, it's the power of Christ to live as you never could without him. Amen. And he's right on about that. Yeah. But what you were saying, Allie, and what you're saying, Young Thunder, is if you use grace kind of like the rubber band man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it ain't going to do nothing for you. What's what's that? Uh, yeah, I could have done all that I, stuff before. And yeah. Fine. By the way, before you were in Christ, yeah. you could live like Gehenna. With no conviction. Now, let me be straight. You could live like hell. Yeah. With no conviction at all. You didn't need grace to go live like hell. Did not need grace. I need grace to be able to live like Jesus. Yeah, man. Boy, what a good discussion today. This is great. Oh, and on such a brutal topic to boot. I know. <laughs> Killing sin this morning on Carl and Crew. <laughs> and, other, and other fun things we're doing for your winter pleasure. We actually do love you guys. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Got some good news, guys. What's yes. that? Uh, it is National Hot Chocolate Day. It yes, it is. It's a good it. day for hot chocolate. Yeah, eat it. a great thing. You know, I, sometimes there's, ah, what is the what is the best brand of hot chocolate oh, out there? Best brand? I was going to ask marshmallows oh, or no marshmallows. Oh, yeah. You know, if There's you're going to go marshmallows, you got to go those little minis. Yeah. Mm. What are you scowling about in there? You I'm dinner? trying to think of what the best hot chocolate brand is. I'm uh, thinking. You know, I, I, I'm kind of old school. 
probably some folks are going to laugh at me, but good old fashioned Swiss Miss ain't bad. It's kind of what, what I was thinking. Swiss Miss. You know what? I mean, it's it's uh, kind of one of the only major brands I know. I know there's Abuelita's hot chocolate. What's that? Abuelita. Really? It's grandma in Spanish. Yeah, Abuelita's I, hot chocolate. Yeah, I know that, but is it your grandmother or is it a brand? No, no, no. The brand name oh. is Abuelita. Oh, well, you never know. So, <laughs> I can see my yaya's hot chocolate. Yeah, that yeah, would be, yeah. you know. It's hilarious. Um, okay. It's hilarious. Never heard of that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I, there's, yeah, there's, I wasn't a coffee drinker when I was a kid, obviously, so we'd come home from... <laughs> And let me tell you what it was like in in Alaska when we went out playing in the snow because we had snow machines and stuff. Guys, the funnest thing ever was my big sis was dating a guy named Ken, and he was pretty good on snow machine. And he would (laughs) hook me up with about a 20-foot rope, and I would have one of those little red plastic Sleds, right? Yeah. Not a runner sled, because runner sleds on the side of the road in in snow machine tracks just gets buried. Just go clump. But, man, I get those red plastic. And I I can't believe I don't have back trouble today. Because we come flying over. So you're going down the side (laughs) of a road, you know, and this is out in the sticks. Yeah, yeah. And you're just bombardiering down thick snow. And then you come, he comes with snow machine. It's got shock observer system. And he comes up over a, a, like a roadway, so like a and uh, what am I trying to say? Off the off the main road into a home, let's say, yeah. or into a homestead. Sure. sure. And he comes over that thing, and then it's my turn. <laughs> and guys, there were times I wouldn't jump the whole thing, uh-huh. but I'd get airborne and then bam, hit down and just oh, keep going. That's, yeah. a, that's the way Woo-hoo! to do it. That's but awesome. We did that Again. constantly, Again. growing. Well, we we'd go for miles. Over road after oh, road after road. Nice. And okay. it was just oh. a kick in the pants. So fun. And I went up there, you know, a number of years ago. Then I went, I went up to Pastor Church up there. And they had outlawed all the snow machine on the side of the roads. Wow. They'd taken that away. How could yeah. they? Times change. Yeah, because there were times <laughs> when we'd want to get back in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And we'd just yeah. get on O'Malley Road this itself with the snow machine and just smoke it right up the road. That's so Maybe great. it wasn't totally safe. Well, yeah. it was pretty safe. Oh, well. Party you know, too many people get too hurt up there. <laughs> too many people get too hurt. Snow is soft. Alaska. Yeah, it's Alaska. it's great, man. And uh, get out in the snow this, this year, guys. Yeah, enjoy it. Go out and enjoy it somehow. Maybe when it warms Maybe up not a today. Bit, <laughs> no, today's cold, man. But I mean, I take my kids day. sledding, but I, it, it's not been. It's been so cold. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to get out in this snow right now. But Sorry. but did you see the weather next week? No. Oh yeah, that's a good thing about it. That's a good thing if if you're if you're in a really cold pattern, you can pull out that there app there on that there phone. Oh yeah. no. And you pull that bad boy out. What do you see? What he says he doesn't do. Yeah. You don't do that voice. Never. I've never heard it. I admit it. You guys got me. (laughs) Okay. We're talking about warning signs and the warning signs uh, are many as we're following Jesus. Now, the metaphor following Jesus is dynamite because, you know, it indicates movement. And yes. the most dominant word, 269 times the word follower or disciple is used in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Only three times the word Christian. Mm-hmm. So the dominant title that Jesus gave those of faith was disciple. Come follow me. Call yeah. them disciples. And it was at the church of Antioch, first time that the Christians were named Christian. And mm-hmm. it was a derisive term. 
little Jesuses yeah. Yeah. is what they were. Yeah. And it's like little Jesus is about to lose your head. Our, our brothers and sisters that walked in the first century faith, man, whew, they're going to have some stories to share. Oh, I'm sure. I can't wait. Yeah, me neither. But we're going to, we've had this incredible hall of fame of folks that have gone before us. And uh, you just look at Hebrews 11. If you want to get inspired about people that had a rough go of it, whoo. Yeah. Just check out Hebrews 11. But here's the point. On this road, Scripture is loaded with both walk this way and don't walk this way. Warning signs. Don't go here. Don't let this happen. It's just like your dashboard. I've got a PSI light on this morning. Carl. No, 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 no. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's it's a cold, it's the tires get so cold. Yeah. And then they start flashing that they're under pressured. But what's one of the biggest warning signs? One of the biggest warning signs in Scripture is don't sit on sin because it will eat your lunch. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to go blitz on this thing. We're going to get all three aspects of this. The downside of sin held on to. The promise of sin confessed and dealt with. And then how to break out of this. Sin, shame, repent, repeat, like bad shampoo cycle. We're going to get those things, all three of them, in this 30 minutes. Keep up with the team on social media. Just search Carl and Crew Mornings on Facebook or Instagram. Okay, we're tackling a really good topic here. Confession of sin and not sitting on it is one of the great warning signs that we have in Scripture as we are disciples of Jesus Christ. It's like, hey, warning don't sit on sin. It's going to waste your bones away. It's yeah. going to cost you your your ability to prosper in life is going to be stolen. Now, here's the upside, huge upside. Healing and cleansing come in your way when you confess it. But even more than that, it's confession plus. Because he who confesses and forsakes sin will obtain this mercy from God. Forsaking is a big deal, guys. It's to renounce or turn away from sin entirely. And it it's repeated over and over in Scripture. I was blown away when I was prepping for my book, The Seven Resolutions. I have one whole chapter called Killing Sin. And I was blown away as I'm as I'm doing a deep theological dive on killing sin. I'm like, my goodness, it's everywhere in Scripture. From my favorite King Josiah, who put it on display— His entire generation was spared because he went throughout the land, tearing down Asherah poles, killing the priests of these idol worship things, taking necromancers. These are people that can speak with the dead and witchcraft and just crushing all those idols. I mean, he went to extreme measures to kill what was killing the nation to the point where he took the priests that were offering sacrifices to false gods and he he killed them. And he had their bones crushed. Now, you look at that and you go, whoa, man, I'm telling you what. This is serious biz. The God of the Old Testament. Now, we're in a new dispensation. Things are dealt with differently. And by the way, judgment was in the house of God there. So you don't walk onto the steps of capital and go, yeah, we're going to you know, take out any idolaters in our nation. What's the picture that we find in the Old Testament? Look at yourself. That's a household of faith. Oh, yeah. Josiah looked at himself. He looked at Judah. He wasn't looking at the Canaanites. He wasn't looking at what would be uh, what is now modern day Iraq and Iran. He was looking at himself. Another great 
highlight to hit here from Scripture. Yeah. So you you don't walk through culture killing gods. You walk through your soul killing gods, false gods. Now, this extreme measures that you take to kill what's killing you, it's awesome. We're getting a lot of feedback in feedback. here. Give us, give us some highlights here. Yeah, right? this is just general feedback from you on killing sin. By checking in with a friend, I'm going to leave your numbers anonymous with this uh, first text. So checking in with a friend, I can track my progress and victory over an area. They talked about accountability partners that's telling the specific sin that I'm dealing with. Another one, replace the sin with a good thing that you want to make a lifetime habit. Another one, meditate and verbally identify who you are in Christ. For example, I am dead to sin and alive in Christ. Here's one that's going to seem extreme to a lot of you. Cancel Netflix, delete apps, cut the cable, unplug the TV. Most importantly, start a Bible reading plan to replace the time. This is a great move if media is eating your lunch. You know what? Okay, that's getting to the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Because when you get with a friend, oftentimes accountability groups can be times when you get back together every week and talk about how you fell in the ditch again and will you help me out or we're going to keep praying about it. And sometimes then that accountability relationship can kind of get kind of fade away because it's like, well, do I want to keep going back and explaining how I've fallen in the ditch? No, get your accountability buddy and go, hey, buddy. Um, we got to take some extreme measures to kill this thing in me. Will you sit down and pray with me in the power of the Holy Spirit? And let's begin to hot pen some ideas. This idea, somebody texted in here and said, if a phone is eating your lunch, get a flip phone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, it it sounds so extreme. It is extreme. (laughs) And in reality, when you think about what the Bible talks about gouging out an eye and cutting off a hand and again, hyperbole, it's not actually saying do those things, but to us, a smartphone feels almost as extreme cutting off a smartphone. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up minute and a half, we're taking more of your ideas. Uh, What are the, what are the extreme measures we can take to kill what's killing us? And by the way, again, I'm going to go to what Ali said earlier. There are people who never claim the name of Jesus, who are looking to change things. What's the term you use? Yeah, I want to be the best version of myself or live my best life or do the work on me. Everybody's looking to do work on themselves to become better. And oftentimes that work on yourself is extreme to uh, do all kinds of things with regard to work habits. Yeah. Time blocking, for instance, people that get derailed in their work. Maybe they're running a startup, but it's easy to get sucked into all kinds of drainers. They'll do time blocking where they shut down every other app for a 25-minute chunk of time. Nothing can touch them. Why do they do that? Because they're trying to kill what's killing right. productivity. There's this idea that there are things I don't want this habit or hang up to be plaguing my life. So we have, and the world has other language for it, but when you get to the root of it, it's that sin is killing us and we'd rather not be killed by sin. What are some extreme measures we can take to kill what is killing us? Think about it. Think about what you're up against right now. Make this personal. You have a habit of gossiping with some buddies. Take that one. Somebody respond to that right now. On text, you have a, you have a habit of gossiping with buddies. What can you do to kill what's killing you and your friends, by the way? What can you do? 312 2749624 your ideas on killing sin straight ahead living life for Jesus and having a blast in the process 
We're Carlin Crew Mornings. Love it. Getting great ideas right here. We're talking about extreme measures you can take to kill what's killing you, and it can come in a lot of different kind of forms. But this is a good one here. We're not going to shout out numbers here, just giving props. Be transparent with your friends what you want to be true about in their conversations moving forward. I'm just reading it here as we go here. I think what they're driving at here, sometimes it gets lost in translation in the text message, but speaking to your friends who maybe you've gossiped around is a powerful thing. And just say, I, you know what? I want to be honest with you. I'm willing to take the heat for this one, but I'm feeling convicted about gossip. Would you join me in locking arms about this? Now, you might find that you got a twofer here because the friend <laughs> that you're talking to goes, whoa, yeah, shazam. Yeah. I mean, there's something about somebody calling it out that can bring some conviction on everybody. Yeah, it brings the whole house <laughs> I'm down. I'm not feeling great about the direction that this conversation is taking. Maybe we can talk about something else. The room will go really quiet. <laughs> and, and you you know, if you do this in a good way and you put the onus on you, yeah, it's it's great because the onus is on you. But, man, it splashes on everyone around you. That's and that's it. a good thing. Um. You know, I, I got a friend who had a problem with lying. Let's take the issue of lying. Fudging the truth. It's a good one to take. I think it's common for a lot of people. You want to look a little bit better than you are. And so the number goes from whatever it was to eh, the fish gets a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and my friend was so convicted by God. He made an agreement with God. I don't even think he went to anyone else. He made an agreement with God saying, I'm so tired of confessing this. God, I hear your voice and I'm going to do it. And he would be in a conversation with a person, walk out of the room. Holy Spirit would convict him. He'd go back and go, I just told you uh, a lie. Oh, wow. This is every time you tell this story, Boy. it gets me. Whoa. And he did this not just with individuals, but sometimes groups of people and said, you know what? I just need to stop and tell you, I fudged the truth. That's not really the way it went down. We all feel that moment. Yes. My chest (laughs) is getting tight thinking about it. Okay. But here's what's awesome. By the way, do you, do you lose anything in that? No, because everyone in that room knows. Oh boy. Uh, that'll splash some people too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys owning that little fudge. Oh, and you might think, oh, this is painful. It is painful. It got so painful that he quit fudging the truth. <laughs> Amazing how that works. <laughs> and now I know this guy. This guy's one of the most blazingly honest truth tellers and non fudgers of story you will ever meet in your life. It's really cool. How cool is that? It's amazing. It's so cool because. The willingness to allow yourself to feel that that difficulty, that pain, because it is painful, uh, you know, to to say, you know what, I choose the righteousness of Christ over this thing in my life. And I'm going to make sure that I don't do this anymore through the power of Christ. And he did. Yeah. And can the Holy Spirit prompt you to do something like that? Absolutely. Totally. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. 
Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew as we help you take your next step with Jesus. You're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.